Hello, everybody. Hello. I'm Sarah. I'm Casey. And we are Relatively Relatively Dark. Hello again, sister. Hello. She is back with us today. I am. I'm glad you're back. Me too. I'm glad to have you. (laughs) (laughs) So, I don't want to talk a whole lot at the beginning because this is going to be kind of a lengthy one. Mm -hmm. Um, Trigger warning, it is about children, extensive harm toward children, so if you don't want to listen, we get it, and we'll see you next episode. Yep, feel free to move on. Um, But come back. Yes, please. (laughs) U-turn. Yes, make a U-turn at some point. (laughs) Uh, Today, we are going to talk about the Watts family. Okay. It's a pretty high-profile case, very high-profile case, and there's so much information on this, it's like, it's never-ending. So, Rabbit hole. Yes. <laughs> Rabbit hole, wormhole, hole. <laughs> okay. So, I'm going to bring you down today, so just heads up. Okay. Shanann Catherine Watts was born January 10th in 1984. And her parents were Frank and Sandy Rusick, and she has one younger brother named Frank Jr. Okay. Her parents pronounced her name as Shannon, Mm -hmm. but she pronounced it as Shanann. It's spelled S-H-A-N-A-N-N. Okay. And in all of the media that I use for the research, they pronounce it as Shanann. So I guess she kind of just adopted it. Well, I think that that actually makes more sense than Shannon. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm going to refer to her as Shanann, because that's how she referred to herself. Okay. Shanann was described as vibrant, energetic, bubbly, outgoing, but at some point she started feeling bad, like something was wrong. Physically? Physically, okay. yes. And when she was 26, she was diagnosed with lupus, mm. which is an autoimmune disease. Yep. Right around the time of her diagnosis, which was in 2010... She gets a friend request on Facebook from a guy that she had mutual friends with. Okay. This guy was Christopher Lee Watts. He went by Chris. He was born May 16th, 1985, and he is the only son of Ronnie and Cindy Watts. Okay. He had an older sister named Jamie. He was a car enthusiast. He loved NASCAR. His, his, Mm -hmm. him and his dad would go to races all the time, and his dream was to be part of a NASCAR pit crew. Okay. Just a little bit about him. All right, then. She rejected him at first. She's battling these health issues. She, yeah. Yeah, her mind is elsewhere. Elsewhere. Her mind is elsewhere. <laughs> um, but eventually, they did get together, and on November 3rd, 2012, they got married. Okay. A few months later, they moved to Colorado. They had vacationed there before, fell in love with it, and they thought that maybe the climate would help ease some of Shanann's symptoms from her lupus. Okay. They bought a home in Frederick, Colorado, which is north of Denver, if that means anything to anybody, in a (laughs) suburban community. December 17th in 2013, they welcomed a baby girl that they named Bella Marie Watts. And in July of 2015... July 17th, they had another little girl, Celeste Catherine Watts, and they called her Cece. Oh, okay. 
Chris described Bella as calm, measured, and caring, and he said that Cece, which they nicknamed Rampage, had two speeds, sleeping <laughs> and going. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, I guess she was a little more rambunctious. Yeah. Uh, Chris worked in the oil field industry as an operator or gas worker. Okay. Some sources say supervisor, but he wasn't. Okay. <laughs> he would work on, like, um, crude oil well sites and stuff like that. Okay. Doing... I don't know what. Okay. Um, I don't know how that stuff works. Yeah. <laughs> Shanann worked for a company named Lavelle, okay. uh, which is a nutru- nutrition nutrition <laughs> and wellness company. And they sold the Thrive supplements and okay. nutrition bars, shakes, patches, stuff like that. Gotcha. She was super active on social media, mainly Facebook. Uh, she would post a lot about work, promoting her products and stuff, but she would post just as much about her and Chris and the family and the kids and stuff. Right. And she even posted the video where she told Chris that she was pregnant with their third child. Oh. And she wore a t-shirt that said, oops, we did it again. It was cute. <laughs> yeah. They later found out that it was a baby boy and they decided to name him Nico Lee. Okay. So they looked like this picture perfect family. Yeah. Now we're going to talk about Monday, August 13th in 2018. Shanann is about four months pregnant at this time. Okay. I think exactly it's 15 weeks. She was 15 weeks pregnant. Okay. A co-worker and friend of Shanann named Nicole Atkinson drops her off at her home at 1.48 that morning. Okay. Uh, they had just got back from a work-related trip to Arizona. Okay. I'm getting a little anxious. Um, you're right to feel that way. According to Nicole, Shanann seemed tired during the trip. She didn't really want to eat a whole lot she had low energy if anybody <laughs> is wondering what just happened to that little in the background the air cut off so <laughs> yep i thought something i got real quiet <laughs> um but she didn't think much of it because she does have lupus you yep. know she is pregnant so the next morning shannon had a doctor's appointment a um what is the word obstetrician a prenatal appointment is okay. what I was trying to think of. Sorry. With an obstetrician. Yes. <laughs> Nicole texts her and she tells her, you know, let me know how it goes. Let me know if you need a ride, how you're feeling, whatever. Yeah. And she never gets a response. She calls, no answer. So she starts to worry. Yeah. And she goes over to the Watts house. Shanann's car is in the garage, but she sees no sign of Shanann or the girls. And she doesn't get any answer. And Chris is at work at this point. Okay. So she calls him, and he tells her, she just went somewhere with the girls, don't worry, don't freak out. And Nicole wants to call the police, but Chris tells her, you know, I'm leaving work now, I'm on my way, don't call the police, you know, I'm coming. Yeah. Well, she calls the police anyways. Okay. And at 1.42 p.m., Frederick Police Officer Scott Coonrod gets there to conduct a wellness trip, wellness check. Okay. And he is wearing a body cam. Okay. So, a lot of this stuff that I talk about is all on video, and okay. you can find it on YouTube or wherever. Nicole points out that both girls use car seats. Okay. But Shanann's car is there. Officer Coonrod can't go in without the homeowner's permission, and so he knocks on the door, he peeks through the windows, he doesn't get any answer. They call Chris and ask for the code for the garage door, and he says that it doesn't work from the outside, and he'll be there in like five minutes. Okay. So he gets there at 2.08 p.m. At this point, the police have been there for about 30 minutes. The police. <laughs> I know, police. <laughs> uh, 
he lets them in and they immediately start finding things that raise some questions. Such as? Please tell. Her purse is on the kitchen counter. Mm-hmm. Her medication is there. Her phone is there. Her Apple Watch is there. And her suitcase had not been unpacked yet. They go upstairs to the bedroom and all of the sheets are off the bed and in a pile on the floor. And the fitted sheet is missing. There's no blood on them or anything, but it's just odd. Yeah. Why is everything off the bed? Chris walks into the room and you can see this on the body cam footage. And he tells them that he found Shanann's wedding ring on her nightstand. No note or anything. Her wedding ring's just sitting there. Okay. So they asked Chris if she said anything about leaving or moving out or anything like that. And he says no. He tells them that he got up at five that morning and they had a civil conversation, but an emotional conversation about separating. Okay. He says they're both crying and everything. Quick question. Whenever her friend calls Chris and he says that she just took the girl somewhere, is that like his speculation? Like she probably just did that? <laughs> My next bullet point. Oh. She told him that morning. Oh, okay. That Sorry. she was, you're fine, that she was going to take the girls to a friend's house. So that's where she would be. Okay. So that makes sense why he told her that. Okay. So I didn't know if he like is like, that's where she is. So it looks bad on him. You know, you wrong. But yeah. she said that she told him that. So it doesn't look as bad. Yeah. He said that at 527 that morning, he backed his truck into the garage to load up his tools and stuff. He said that at one point, I think it was the week earlier or something like that, he had had some tools stolen from his truck. So now whenever he gets home, he would back his truck in, take everything out, and then load it back up in the morning. Right. Um, He said he had texted her later on during the day and never heard anything, but he didn't think much of it because they had, you know, that emotional conversation that morning. And he brought up the fact that her car was at the house, so someone could have picked her up, or had to have picked her up if she was going somewhere. Yeah. But he said no one's seen her, no one's heard from her, and plus the car is there with the car seats in the car, and the car keys are in the car. Yeah. The air kicked back on everybody, so. (laughs) Soon, a neighbor by the name of Nathan Trinistich... He tells the police, he's like, hey, I have a security camera that faces the Watts' driveway. If you want to come to my house and check it out. That's cool. Right? People should be like that. Yeah. So, the police go over there with Chris and they review the footage. At this point, it's been almost 10 hours since Chris has last seen Shanann and his daughters. So, Nathan pulls up the surveillance video on the TV and everyone's watching this. By now, other officers are on the scene, so. Um, And it shows that around 5.30, 5.45 that morning, you can see Chris's truck, you know, back into the garage with part of the bed of the truck in the garage. Makes sense because he told police he was loading up his tools. Mm -hmm. He said he was putting his coolers, water jugs, computers, stuff like that. Unfortunately, the footage doesn't give them any answers. They don't see anything. They don't see anybody suspicious lurking around the house. No sign of Shanann or the girls. Nothing. Chris and the police officers leave. And when Nathan... Did, huh? I'm so sorry. When did she get home again? One forty-eight that morning. Okay. So this was about four hours, roughly four hours after she had got home. Yeah. Well, when all of them go to leave, Nathan, the neighbor, he grabs Officer Coonrod and he says, he's not acting right at all. Talking about mm-hmm. Chris. And he's like, no. And he said, no, he's never fidgety. He's never rocking back and forth. And you can look at this footage and he's he's acting weird. His body language is weird. Yeah. And he's not hardly even looking at the TV. He glances at it here and there, but 
I mean, I guess you can't really say how someone would act if they think that, you know, their wife and their kids are missing or whatever or something's yeah. wrong with them. But to not even look at it to be like, what's going on? Where are they? Like, I think that's weird. If it was my spouse, my children, anyone in my family missing, and I knew that that could give me some answers, I would be glued to that TV. I feel like I would be too. Yep. So the police start to wonder if there were any problems between Chris and Shanann within the marriage since, or what those problems were, because he said they had just had a conversation about separating. Right. So they find out that sometime in July, so around a month before, Shanann went to North Carolina for, I've heard five weeks and I've heard six weeks, basically the summer. Uh, Bella and Cece were with her and Chris stayed back because her job was more work from home. Okay. She can do stuff like that. His, he has to. Yeah, actually leave. Yeah, he has to go in to work. Yeah. So that's why she left for work? No. She left to go to North Carolina because that's where her and Chris were both from. So she went to visit the families and stuff oh, like okay, that gotcha. with the girls. I thought I had put in there that they were both from small towns in North Carolina, but I may have forgot. You may have, and I forgot. Well, either way. <laughs> they're both from North Carolina, so that's why she went. Okay. Um, while they were gone... Sometime around that time, Shanann sent some pretty shocking texts to one of her friends. Okay. One said, he's changed. Mm-mm-mm. One said, Chris doesn't want the baby. And one said, said he's scared to death and he's happy with just Bella and Cece. Okay. While she was in Arizona, days before her and the girls went missing, Shanann noticed an unusual charge on their credit card. Something that was too expensive for dinner for just one person. I think it was like $60, and she knew the restaurant. Her and her friend looked up the menu to see the price of stuff. Yeah. And so she confronted him, and he said that he was completely alone. He denied there was anyone with him when that charge was made. Okay. After 24 hours of searching, they still had no idea where Shanann, Bella, or Cece was. So they bring cadaver dogs into the house, and they start searching it like top to bottom. Right. In the kitchen trash can, they find the fitted sheet from their bedroom, Mm-mm-mm. which is suspicious. Yeah. And by now, the locum me- lo- locum motive. Uh, by now, the local media has started covering the story. A reporter for Denver Seven named Thomas Hoppe he goes to the house, and Chris agrees to an interview. Okay. He asks him if your wife can see this. If she can watch this, what would you have to say to your wife and your kids? And I'm going to play you a clip of his answer to this question. Shanann, Bella, Celeste, if you're out there, just just, just come back. Like, if somebody has her, just please bring her back. I need to see everybody. I need to see everybody again. This house is not complete without anybody here. Please bring her back. That's kind of weird. Yes. And I agree with Michael J. Rourke, which is the district attorney of Weld County. Okay. He said about this, quote, The right words seemed to be coming out of his mouth. He seemed to be saying the right things. But the way he was saying it, I think, struck everyone as particularly cold, particularly emotionless. End quote. Yeah, I mean, and I know that you guys didn't get to see it, but his, his expression just looked weird. He's not tearing up. And he doesn't to... look sad. Like, his mouth isn't downturned. He's no. not fighting back tears. Nothing. He's just stoic. Yes. That's a very good word to describe it. 
Odd. Um, side note, you couldn't see it whenever you watched this clip, but there's other clips from like the same day, same news station and stuff. He's not wearing his wedding ring in this video. Oh, okay. All right, dude. Which, devil's advocate, you could say, you know, if they had that argument or emotional conversation, as he put it, that they were separating, maybe he took it off. I don't know. Or maybe whenever he thought Shanann had just went somewhere and he found her wedding ring, he was like, well, I'm taking mine off. If you left and... Yeah. Whatever. Anyways, um, after this interview, the story received national attention, nationwide attention is what I meant to say. Mm Mm-hmm. And the police get a call from a woman named Nicole Kessinger. Okay. And she claims to have important information regarding... Regarding. Regarding the Watts family. <laughs> Sorry. She tells Forgiving. them that she met Chris at work. They work at the same place. And they talked here and there, you know, in passing. Mm-hmm. And they started getting to know each other a little. And then that led to them hanging out outside of work. Mm-hmm. And she said that around the last week of June, he told her that he had two kids and was in the process of separating from his wife, as far as she knew. Okay. So, he had an affair. Yeah. With this woman. First of all, you have three kids, Christopher. Yeah. Um, while Shanann and the kids are in North Carolina, he's telling Nicole that he loves her when they're gone for this five, six weeks. Yeah. And remember that suspicious credit card charge? Mm-hmm. That was a romantic dinner with Nicole. Mm-hmm. Lies. Lies, yeah. lies. And I guess she's probably thinking, well, if they may be murdered, I should probably say something. Maybe. And there's audio footage of this conversation between Nicole and the police. Mm-hmm. Um, it is on a documentary that I watched on Investigation Discovery. I don't know if I'm allowed to play that clip as I planned on. I have reached out and they're supposed to get back to me on if I'm allowed to do that or not. Oh, cool. But they haven't yet. Did you so. have to pay for it? Like, you have to watch it. It is on Amazon Prime. And I think it's like $3 if you want to watch okay, it. So they may that, have it on other platforms, but... So, that's why you need to make sure... Yes. Yep. I couldn't find it on YouTube or anything like that, so I didn't want to play right. that. But the clip I wanted to play, she says, you know, I'm just worried about those little girls. And she says, you know, they're so little and she's pregnant. Like, where is your mom? Which is fine. Mm-hmm. It's the way she says it. Because okay. she says it like just worried about those little girls because they're so little and she's pregnant like Uh, where's your mom she just sounds really freaking weird yeah which she may be freaking out and it may be completely justified but she sounds weird as crap to me that's weird though because like if it sounds weird then she might be in the wrong but if that's the case then why would she even come forward i don't know that's weird i don't know um so this just makes investigators even more skeptical of Chris once he f- once they find out that he's been having an affair. Right. We're going to jump to August 15th. They've been missing for two days at this point. Chris agrees to take a polygraph. Okay. And he fails. Okay. <laughs> he fails. So then they begin the interrogation, which is conducted by Colorado Bureau investigating agent Tammy Lee and FBI agent Graham Coder. Okay. And they point out to him, dude, you drive a company truck. This company truck has GPS. Oh. We can download that data and know exactly where you went the day Shanann, Bella, Cece, and Nico went missing. Yep. What that data showed is that he never went to the office that day. Mm -hmm. Most days he did, which, you know, is just unusual. 
When he left the house that morning, he went straight to a well site named Survey 319 was the name of that site. So police go there to search the area as uh, well as doing a drone search. Okay. In the oil field, they found a bed sheet that matches the fitted sheet that was found in the kitchen trash can. Mm-mm. While the search is being conducted, after hours of being questioned, Chris admits that he cheated on Shanann. He feels terrible. Yeah, right, whatever. Mm-mm. But they already knew that because Nicole Kessinger had told them that. Right. Tammy Lee brings it to his attention that he hasn't shed a single tear since they've been missing. Mm-mm. Which, you don't know how you're going to react in that right. situation. But she also points out, which is like the point of this point he said whenever they had that conversation about separating they were both crying so you're crying because you're thinking about separating from your wife but you're not crying when your wife and children are missing yeah that's weird doesn't make any sense so he's not someone that doesn't cry yeah in situations according to him and what he personally told them yep getting caught in your own lies mister then she asks him I do not agree with this question, and I will tell you after, and I'm sure you will feel the same way. Okay. She asks him, quote, did Shanann do something to them? And then, did you feel like you had to do something to Shanann? End quote. Why ask him that? Because that could give him an out. Exactly. And she's not awake. He is involved in their disappearance. I don't understand why you would plant that seed and put that into his head. I think that maybe she was just trying to get something out of him. I get that, but you're giving him that to use as an excuse now. Yeah, and the crimes against children should be, you know, dealt with worse than crimes against adults. So whatever crime he could, or punishment he could get for that is now, could be gone. Possibly. <sighs> well, he says no. Okay, well good. That's, that's not what happened. But then he says if they'll let him have some time to talk to his dad, then he'll tell them what happened. So they agree, they leave the room, and Chris's dad, Ronnie, comes in. Everything's still being recorded. Okay, well, that's good. And you can find all of these videos on YouTube as well. And Chris says, quote, I don't want to protect her. His dad says, did she hurt him? And he said, yeah. Mm. He proceeds to tell his dad he saw Shanann hurting the girls on the baby monitor, and he said, she choked them both on the bed. I freaked out and did the same thing to her. So the detectives come back in, and they're like, okay, you admitted to hurting Shanann. They want to know, where are they? Where is she? Where are the girls? And during the search of that oil field, the drones took pictures, Mm -hmm. and then they were sent to the police station. So they show him the pictures, and they tell him, here's the site where we know you went. Where are they? Yeah. He identifies a bald spot in the oil field, and he tells them that that's where Shanann is buried. Okay. And he says, here and here pointing to two big oil tanks. And he tells them Bella is in one and Cece is in the other. He put them in oil tanks? Yes. At 11.30 p.m. on August 15th, Christopher Lee Watts is arrested on suspicion of three counts of first-degree murder. Gosh. Now you know where the girls were, where he put the girls. So from now on, it's going to get a little rough as far as, like, the information surrounding that goes. So... If you've listened up to here and heard that and aren't sure, you probably want to skip on. The next day, August 16th, a team is sent back to the well site to recover the bodies of 34-year-old Shanann, an unborn baby Nico, 3-year-old Cece, and 4-year-old Bella. Another quick thought. If what he's saying 
was true, which I don't believe it. I don't think anybody else does or did either, that he didn't do anything to the children that he hurt. Um, Shanann. Shanann. How did I forget that? If he hurt her because she hurt the girls. If you're going to have any res- kind of respect for anybody, you're you're going to bury them. Yeah. Um, I don't remember where I read or watched this, heard this, wherever. But apparently he had later said that he buried Shanann where he buried her because he wanted her as far away from the girls as possible because he was so, he hated her so much at that point. Anyways. <laughs> um, they find Shanann first. She's buried in a shallow grave. She's face down. And the part of her body closest to the surface was just three inches from the surface. So that's how shallow her grave was. Wow. Then they have to attempt to recover the bodies of the girls from the oil tanks. Right. It was a risky effort because they had to reach into the tanks, they had to climb into them, and they had to drain them. They had to drain all the oil because these are huge, yeah, huge tanks. Um, The openings of the tanks were eight inches the girl's hips and shoulders were measured, and the smallest measurement was from Cece at nine and a half inches. What? And the openings were only eight. Oh, my so gosh. So, that right there tells you what force had to be used to do that. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. Um, Bella's x-ray revealed a possible broken jaw, but they later said that it was likely gas in the jaw area. Okay. Not like a fracture or a broken jaw. Her frenulum, which we learned what that is because of you, yeah. um, the part that connected her top lip to her gum, was okay. torn and there was a large hole. They said it was likely from the force and distance that she fell. Man. Chief Deputy District Attorney Steve Wren said about the rescue mission, quote, that turned out to be quite an undertaking. A lot of different folks had to be involved in that, and I don't know if any of them will ever be the same. And he was tearing up whenever he said that. That's awful. Um, Frank and Sandy Rusick, along with Shanann's brother Frank Jr., did an interview with Dr. Phil. I think it was in 2019. Okay. Don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. Okay. Sandy was talking about when she got the call that they had found Shanann's body. She asked him if they wanted her to identify her over the phone. And they said, yeah, we can do that. Okay. And she said, is she beautiful? And they said yes. And she said, does she have black hair? They said yes. And she said, you found my daughter. Mm. The first of the girls that they found, they weren't sure which one it was. Okay. And so Sandy started to ask about her hair. Mm -hmm. Because she would do the girl's hair and she was going to tell them, you know, if it was Bella, they could pull up on her hair and it was longer. She said, but then she realized that they wouldn't be able to tell because of all the oil. Yeah. So they asked her, well, which one of them wears a pull-up? And she said, that's Cece. Two hours later, they found Bella at the bottom of the tank that she was in. Um, she also said in the interview, I don't want to say that. Wow. Um, she also said in the interview that their skin was falling off. Oh, my gosh. While they were trying to get them out. Man. Sorry, I told y'all this one's rough. Yeah. Uh, she said, quote, Everybody needed so much therapy after that. Our hearts go out to all of them that worked so damn hard on this case. And Shanann's brother said something along the lines of not being able to imagine the people who had to call and tell them that they found them. Oh, my gosh. So they're just good people. They're the ones that are going through this, but they understand that the people who are doing this recovery are 
it's hard on them too. Yeah, like it's their own thing, and, the way and they still, that, yeah. yeah, they still feel bad for them. Yeah, good people, good people. Yeah. The funeral was held on September first at Sacred Heart Roman Catholic Church in North Carolina. Instead of flowers, they asked everyone to donate to the Lupus Foundation of America oh. in honor of Shanann. Reverend John Forbes officiated, and he read a statement from Shanann's dad that said, You are nothing but pure love, always caring for everyone. You will always be daddy's little girl. And if I'm remembering right, the Watts family didn't go to the funeral. What? I guess they thought it would cause tension. They felt unwelcome. I'm not sure. Because their son is the one that Yeah, but I feel like as good of people that they are... They would have welcomed them if they felt like yeah, they were I mean, they were, they were their grandchildren, too. Right. But I don't know. Oh, yeah. I wanted to add this in there. I didn't really know where to put it, but mm-hmm. whenever they were in the house, the neighbor's house, watching the surveillance footage, mm-hmm. after they watched that, I guess Nathan, the neighbor, he turns it off, and it just goes to, like, his regular TV. Mm-hmm. I think it was on, like, National Geographic or something, but it shows, and there's you can see this on the body cam footage. Anyways, it shows... <laughs> an unborn baby in a heart and then it shows a skull covered in oil what yes and a lot of people think that that was shanann trying to lead investigators and the police to where they were wow you said that it it shuts off to his regular tv screen like his tv provider okay like broke with a cable yeah so that's what's playing on that yes maybe it wasn't her maybe it was god I mean, that's I what know, I'm saying. That's crazy. Like, isn't that crazy? Yes. I didn't know where to add it, but I wanted that in there. You didn't want to um, add it then because... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So, now we're going to talk about August 18th, 2018. Okay. Chris is charged with five counts of first-degree murder, unlawful termination of a pregnancy, and three counts of tampering with a deceased body. So, nine counts in total. I'm not sure about the five counts of first-degree yeah. murder. I'm thinking maybe it was the fact of, like, the nature of the crime, how heinous it was. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, Michael J. Rourke, the district attorney, he okay. was the lead prosecutor on the case, and they were debating whether or not to seek the death penalty. Right. And I read or heard somewhere that the Rusick family, which is Shanann's family, didn't want them to pursue the death penalty. Okay. I'm not 100% sure on that. At this point, Chris is still insisting that Shanann killed the girls and he only killed her because he witnessed her strangle them. His team of public defenders filed a motion. They wanted to swab Bella and Cece's necks for DNA to prove Chris wasn't the one that did it. They denied that motion. Okay. And just days after that motion was denied, the DA office gets an email from Chris's defense team. And it says that Chris may be willing to plead guilty to first-degree murder if they assure that the death penalty is off the table. Okay. November 6th of 2018, Chris Watts pleaded guilty to all nine charges. Nine? Yes. Mm-mm-mm. So he didn't just plead guilty to the first-degree murder. During a press conference afterwards, Michael Rourke, he said, quote, The spotlight that he tried to shine on Shanann falsely, incorrectly, and frankly a flat-out lie has been corrected. The spotlight shines directly where it belongs, on him, end quote. Right. Um, I love that dude. Yeah. Um, Were they able to determine what the cause of death was between any of them? uh, The girl's suffocation due to manual smothering, and Shanann was, she died of asphyxiation from manual strangulation. Gotcha. 
Um, the sentencing hearing was held two weeks later, and the families, you know, are always given an opportunity to address Chris, to address the court. Mm-hmm. Shanann's father, Frank, said, quote, Life will never be the same without Shanann, Bella, Celeste, and Nico. They were taken by a heartless one. This is the heartless one, the evil monster. How dare you take the lives of my daughter Shanann, Bella, and Celeste, and Nico. I trusted you to take care of them, not kill them. You disgust me. Mm-mm-mm. And Rourke's closing remarks. I know there's a lot of quotes and stuff, but... No, it's fine. I want people to get the feeling of the people that were actually involved. No, I understand. His closing remarks were, quote, Why did this have to happen? How could a seemingly normal husband and father annihilate his entire family? These are the questions that only one individual in the courtroom or on this planet knows the answer to. Man. Knows the answers to. Sorry. The reason why is because he wanted to start a new life. Point blank period. My opinion anyways. That's the only reason. He wanted to have a new life with Nicole Kessinger. Mm -mm -mm. The love of his life, apparently. Ugh. Arrow. Yeah. So the judge then gives Chris the opportunity to address the court. Everybody's ready to hear what he has to say. Yeah. So we ask him, would you like to make a statement? And he says, no, sir. So he says nothing. And you can see videos of the court and everything. Just if you want to. Yeah. (laughs) Before delivering his sentence, the judge describes this case as perhaps the most inhumane and vicious crime that he's ever handled. And he says, quote, nothing less than the maximum sentence would be appropriate. And anything less than the maximum sentence would depreciate the seriousness of this offense, end quote. Yep. Chris is sentenced to three life sentences without the possibility of parole. Good. For the murders, plus 86 years for the remaining charges. Okay. And it was important to Shanann's family that the unlawful termination was acknowledged, and it was. The judge Good. gave him the maximum penalty for that charge. Good. So that was mixed in with the 86 years. Okay. So now jumping to February 18th, 2019, okay. Chris agrees to do another interview with Graham Coder and Tammy Lee, who did the initial, initial, I don't know, initial mm. questioning. Okay. So during the interview, they ask him, did you ever fight? Was there any domestic violence? And he says, quote, no, I never. That's what makes all this even more hard to understand from my standpoint and from yours, too. What? I'm sorry. It's hard for you to understand why you murdered your wife and your children? That doesn't make any sense. This dude. So, back to when they asked him, did you ever fight? Was there any domestic violence? Whatever. He says that about how it's even more hard for him to understand. Mm-hmm. And then he said, quote, There's always points like in in a marriage where you like, you know, the dominant person like, you know, takes control of everything. But, like, my whole life, I just kind of went with the flow. End quote. Okay. What? I kind of want to add that in there just because it makes him more annoying. <laughs> like, like you know, like, you know, like, you know. So, yeah. That's weird. So, he had already admitted to killing Shanann, and they wanted to hear the whole story about what happened to Bella and Cece. Okay. He said that after strangling Shanann, Bella was in the doorway to their room. And he said, Shanann was face down on the bed, and she said, what's wrong with mommy? And he told her, she doesn't feel good. My question is, she was face down on the bed? So, you were on top of her and strangled her sitting on her back? That doesn't make any sense. Unless he flipped her over? I don't know. 
But he told that him. That is weird. He then wrapped Shannon in a sheet and put her in the truck, had Bella and Cece get in the truck, and he went to the well site. So now he's saying they were alive with their mother deceased in the truck to the well site, which I think was 45 minutes or an hour away. So he's he's going to go ahead and admit after the sentence. He's admitting to killing Because usually that doesn't happen. Yeah. Usually people will stand by what they originally said. I guess now he's already in prison. Yeah. Well, what's he got to lose? Yeah, well, remember the Donnie Yalkovich story? Mm-hmm. Like, the whole time she was in there, she never once changed her story. Yeah. And a lot of people Everybody's will do that. Everybody's different. Some and, people look yeah. at it like, I'm in here. They're not going to do anything to me. What do I have to lose? Some people think, yeah. you know, make them wonder okay, so the whole time. so this is actually... This is his new confession. Okay. Um. So they go to the well site, and then they asked him if Bella or Cece was first. And he said he didn't want to talk about that part, saying, quote... Mm-hmm. Those were my kids, my babies. I still talk to them every night. Every time I see pictures of them, I don't know how this could have happened. Being a dad was the best part of my life. I took it all away. End quote. You don't know how it could have happened. It happened because you did it. Like, he doesn't know how he got to that point? I mean, I guess. I don't know. He's stupid. So, four-year-old Bella watched as her father smothered her little sister, three-year-old Cece, with her own blanket. And he said that Bella asked him, is that same thing that happened to Cece going to happen to me? Oh, my gosh. He said, quote, I don't know if I just said yes like a horrible person or if I just put that blanket over her, too, and did the same thing. And he said that the last thing Bella said was no, daddy. Mm, Man. A podcast that I listened to about this case, they put it into really good words. They said she's watching him do this to her little sister. This is the man that is supposed to protect her. Yeah. The man that is supposed to love her yep. and be there for her. And I want to play a clip. It will okay. really mess with your heart, but it really amplifies what a big, excuse my language, piece of shit this guy is. Okay. My daddy is a hero. He helps me grow up strong. He helps That is four-year-old Bella singing about how much she loves her daddy and how he is her hero. And then he did this. My goodness. <sighs> Sorry, that messes with me. Um, yeah. I started thinking, you know, maybe he had some remorse because of what he said before about he took it all away. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he says, quote, right now I'd have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and uh, what might be a one-month-old son. And a beautiful wife. And it's just like, right now, it's just me. End quote. He's only thinking about himself. Yeah. There's something that I had read, which I came across like 2,000 pages of discovery that I've very briefly skimmed through. Right. Um, And it wasn't in that that I saw, but somewhere said that he had mentioned something about giving Shanann, I think it was oxycodone, because he was hoping that that would cause a miscarriage. Oh. And I'm wondering, that may possibly be why she didn't feel good on that trip. Yeah, maybe. If he did drug her or had been drugging her or whatever. Yeah. Anywho, 
Nicole Kessinger apparently changed her name and left town. Okay. Some speculate that she may be in witness protection, which would make sense because from what I understand, she got death threats and stuff too. Okay. Um, Diane Diamond, which is a crime and justice reporter that was on the documentary that I watched. She's on a lot of like the ID murder mysteries and stuff. She's my favorite on there. I like her. (laughs) Um, She said about family annihilators, she said they're usually white men in their 30s, passive, they keep things in, and then all of a sudden their pent-up rage just explodes. Yeah. Which describes Chris Watts to a T. Shanann's family filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Chris, and on November 18th, 2019, a judge ordered him to pay the Rusick family $6 million with 8% interest. Wow. Which they know that they're not going to see yeah. that money. But it also keeps Chris from profiting from the murders. Right. Book deals, interviews, stuff like that. He can't get any money from that. Well, good. Good. Chris is currently being held at the Dodge Correctional Facility in Waupon, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, whatever. <laughs> Uh, he was somewhere else, but they moved him for, like, security and safety reasons because poor him. Mm. He killed children, so people don't like that. Yeah. And a pregnant woman. People don't like that either. That's weird how some murderers still have a code. Yeah. And I'm sure he got death threats in prison because he was even getting death threats in the mail. Yeah. Along with letters of support and admiration. What? Mm-hmm. This world is sick. Yeah. Uh, I want to end on another quote from Michael J. Rourke. He said, quote, I think that they should be remembered for the smiles that they did bring to their families. Shanann, Bella, and Celeste should always be remembered as truly innocent victims, end quote. Because mm. they were. Right. All of them and Nico. Um, I was talking to Joseph about it the other day, and I was telling him, I'm sure Shanann and Chris were both contributors to the problems in their marriage. Right. The only person to blame for what happened in the end is him. Right. There are ways out of situations that's not one of them. I mean, their marriage probably could have even been fixed. Yeah. And she really wanted it to be fixed. Yeah. And he didn't, obviously. Mm-mm. Um, That's all I have for this episode. But okay. our first episode for our relatives, <laughs> which is what we're going to call our Patreon subscribers. Yep. We're going to go into more detail about his affair, his behavior during the uh interrogate or interrogation investigation Mm -hmm. and even though she's never been named a suspect she's never been charged with anything we're gonna talk a little about the theories that nicole was involved in it okay whether she was or whether she wasn't either way she's really sketchy internet searches and stuff prove that Mm -hmm. we're gonna probably touch more on his quote-unquote fan mail basically just do a little bit deeper dive into it Right. And if you want to tune into that, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash relatively dark. This is the only one that doesn't have podcast at the end of it. <laughs> and you'll get a bonus episode every month and you'll get a shout out on the show. Yep. Unless you don't want one. Yeah. Let us know or don't put your real name as your screen name on there and we <laughs> won't say it. <laughs> but yeah, I know this one is really rough, but very well known. I didn't know it, but I wasn't a true crime buff like you. So yeah. Chris Watts sucks butt. Yep. And I hope you are enjoying your, I think, 23-hour-a-day isolation. So. Well, good for him. At least there's some sort of justice here. Yeah. You know, maybe we can take refuge uh, in that. Maybe. I don't know what I was going to (laughs) say. Sometime here recently, I think, he's trying to appeal his case. On what grounds, I have no idea. But 
Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, that's not going to go nowhere. <laughs> you got three life sentences. Yeah. Without the chance of parole, plus 86 years. You're not getting out of prison. Nope. Yeah, if you, Patreon, if you want to hear more discussion about that and stuff. Any personal stories, theories, thoughts? Suggestions. Yes. Uh, email us at relativelydarkpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram. Yes. Join our Facebook group. Yes. Is that everything? I think so. Okay. I'm sorry that I brought everybody down, but... It's okay. Thank you. It's good. I mean, uh, it's really hard trying to find words to... Yeah. When you, you don't want to say it's a good story. It's a good case. It's interesting and it's intriguing and devastating at the same time. Yes. People who listen understand completely okay. how we feel about it. I'm sure otherwise they wouldn't be listening. Exactly. <laughs> so, Alrighty. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Come again. Come again. Goodbye. Ha, ha, ha.